Welcome to the Be Disciples podcast with your hosts, Kyle Morris and Dakota Smith. This is season three. We are in episode 63. Wow. And we are covering the book of Acts. Yeah. And we're going to be continuing in chapter one today. So thank you so much for joining us. Dakota, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm looking forward to this passage today. We're going to be in Acts 1, verses 15 through 26. What would you say strikes you about the book of Acts so far? What would you say strikes you the most about this study that we've been doing, these conversations that we've been having? Anything in particular? I mean, Acts 1-8 is kind of important, uh, especially important. when it comes to this podcast as well, right? We're the Be Disciples podcast, and what does Jesus call us to do in Acts 1-8? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a great commission That's to go and make about. disciples. Yeah. So I think that right there um, is what we're going to be seeing happen. Yeah. As we go through the book of Acts. One thing that's great about the book of Acts as well is I love that it's placed in narrative format. I love that Luke is the one who has done all of the journalistic investigation. He's heavy, heavy, heavy on eyewitness details. And this book really just tells you the legitimacy of the church's inception. This book shares with you, even before all the epistles and all the other books of the New Testament were written, the book of Acts is a recording of functionally what was happening in the church to begin with. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, the church just didn't begin uh, when the New Testament canon started to be written. Uh, they were more focused on living the Christian life than they were focused on writing it down. They only started to write things down when they realized, hey, persecution might end our life before Jesus returns. But it's unique that the book of Acts, the book of Acts deals with literally the acts or the actions of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. And the early church was concerned about living out the faith rather than writing things down. Writing it down preserved it for you and me. Um, but I love Acts in that it, it really calls, this is what a passionate, devoted life for a real Christian looks like in the first century. Yeah, and I think it's important to know what they did then, so what we can do now. That's right. I was having a conversation at lunch with a, a college student and just talking about what it means to live as a Christ follower. Right. And it was just so rich to talk about what it means to share the gospel and to disciple others. And all of this comes from scripture. It comes from the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. And so this is so pivotal for all Christians to know how the early church began, what they're commanded to do by God to go and accomplish. And so uh, obviously it's accomplished through the Holy Spirit. It's accomplished for the glory of God. And we're going to read about how God uses these people to glorify himself and to proclaim the good news. Yeah. One last quick thing about evangelism. Our, our church vision statement is to live sent. And unfortunately, I think something that has taken place in Christianity within the last 50 years in America or so is we have this big picture of, you know, Billy Graham or evangelists like him who are constantly preaching the gospel and, and leading others to the Lord and doing altar calls or, or even just uh, the nature of your senior pastor at your church being leveraged and elevated above other people. And I think what while the, the the ministry of these men or these type of men has been amazing, I think what happens sometimes to individuals is they can say, well, that's not me. That's not my calling. My calling is not to be an evangelist or 
to be a pastor. So in response, what happens is they just never end up sharing the gospel. Listen, when we're talking about communicating the gospel, we're saying you must have a witness or a testimony of what Jesus has personally done in your life. Yep. And you, as a Christian, if you're born again, should be able to share that with others. If, if Jesus has done something in your heart to save you, according to the biblical gospel, you it doesn't matter if you're an evangelist or not. You should be able to say that. And that's what we mean when we say you should naturally live out your faith for the gospel. You should naturally communicate it and proclaim it because there's been a reality of a heart change for yourself. Yeah, and it's clear that in all the Great Commission accounts through all four gospels in the book of Acts, it doesn't say you, John, or you, Peter. It says you, as in all of you, <laughs> go and share the gospel. So there's not a specific apostle that had the gift of evangelism that started the church, right? All of them did this together in unity for the gospel to go out and proclaim it. So we can't just lean on the pastor, lean on the evangelist to right. share the gospel, but it is all Christians who are following Christ share the gospel. I think pastors and evangelists should act as good coaches, right? And maybe they are able to do it at a more amplified way because, by the way, if you're a full-time pastor, you're dedicating the the majority of your working professional life to these endeavors, right? So there is somewhat of a, somewhat of a difference from a coaching standpoint, but on the flip side of that, no, everyone is called to play in this game. Uh, if you're on a football team, maybe you do have a head coach, an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, position coaches, things like that. But every Christian is a player in the game. Everyone has to take part in this. God's plan to reach the nations with the gospel is to use his church, which is filled of individuals who have had their lives changed and they are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God's evangelistic plan is to use the church, folks, not necessarily a specific individual, but the church as a whole. So with that being said, we transition this is Acts chapter 1, verses 15 through 26. How about I just read it, and then we'll sit down and we'll kind of break it verse by verse here. Sure. Verse 15, at this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren. A gathering of about 120 persons was there together and said, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle, and all his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field was called Hakaldama, that is, field of blood. This is Luke's parenthetical statement. Now, Peter continues to preach, verse 20, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his homestead be made desolate, and let no one dwell in it, and let another man take his office. Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us, accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, 
who is also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. So, 11 or 12 verses there of a lot of content. <laughs> and Judas is actually a major focus. And then the search for, uh, maybe you could say, the fulfillment of the office-like role, the official-like role of the 12th apostle. That seems to be a point of contention, or at least tension to some degree. Yeah, certainly. It is kind of an interesting thing. You know, we we just come off Jesus giving a command before his ascension, right? Uh, to go and to go to Jerusalem and, and wait there for the Holy Spirit. And they do that. They're being obedient. Yep. They're doing uh, it right. They're doing it right. But Peter seems to add something <laughs> here as they wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. They actually uh, go to appoint a, another apostle. So that's kind of a small summary of what you just read. But it, it is interesting. My first question is, why did Peter come up with this? Mm -hmm. Why is this something they're talking about? Um, you know, he, he does point to scripture in the midst of his teaching about appointing another apostle, but it's still interesting that this isn't what Jesus told them to do. And the Holy Spirit hadn't even come yet to be upon them. So it's, to me, it's a, it's an interesting in between of what Jesus has told them to do and the Holy Spirit coming upon them. So I just, it's a, it's kind of an in between action that wasn't necessarily commanded by God. So it, it makes me question the process, it makes me question why are they doing this in the first place? Those are a lot of questions that come to my mind. It's almost like in the early church, they had issues with deciding what to do and which way to go as well. Yeah. If you think in verse 14, look at verse 14, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Verse 15. So they got the prayer and devotion part, right? right? At this time, Peter stood up in the midst of the brethren. Just pause. This is at least a positive, because what do we know about Peter a month and a half ago chronologically? Well, he just denied Jesus three times. Mm -hmm. Jesus has reaffirmed him at the end of John's gospel. At least Peter's standing up rather than walking away. It's true. At least he's that engaged. That is a positive. <laughs> at least in, in his um, zeal, he's standing up and he's seeking to do something for the Lord. Yeah, and it, it aligns with Peter's character. It does. We see it all through the Gospels. Mm -hmm. Peter's always the first one to stand up. He's always the first one to say something, whether good or bad. Yes. Sometimes he says things that Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. Uh -huh. And then other times he's right. Right. Um, but we see Peter stand up. Peter's not afraid to stand up, no. at least in this instance. He did have his time of doubt. He did have his time of, of, of lying and, and wrestling with what God had for him. But in this moment, Moving forward, we see Peter standing up in the midst of the disciples and leading. And that's, I think there's a good to that, like you pointed out, but there's also, it is Peter's initial response to all things is to react mm -hmm. and to not necessarily wait upon the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so we see both happening at the same time. Yeah, this is reminiscent of Peter. And sometimes it really works out for him. Like when he gets out of the boat and he walks on water, Jesus says, come here, right? Yeah. He walks on water. Now he does start to... To, to sink. And we often give Peter a hard time because he began to sink. But the fact of the matter is he's the only one who got out of the boat. Second, 
Uh, Jesus grabbed his hand and didn't he have to walk back to the boat? I don't see Peter. I don't see Peter swimming back to the boat. I see Peter walking back to the boat. So this is reminiscent. This is characteristic of Peter himself. I do think though that maybe Peter's becoming a little bit impatient. There's a side of him. All right, we've prayed. What's what's going to happen next? And they know to wait for the Holy Spirit, but it's almost like all right, something has to be done here. And then they end of the story. They seem it appears they choose a man too soon. Nothing negative is said about Matthias, but we know that this was Paul's seat. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why that's the context that we're coming from and saying maybe Peter is being a little bit quick, a little uh, bit Peter, a little bit Peter like because we know who Paul is and how. Jesus calls Paul to be an apostle, and so who, why is Matthias becoming an apostle? But I, I also find this interesting. The Holy Spirit is still the, the main thing here. The Holy Spirit is still the key. Where they're waiting on the Holy Spirit, they're told to wait on the Holy Spirit. And then Peter says here in this first couple verses, men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas. So we see prophecy, right. and he gets that right. And he points to the Holy Spirit, in which the Holy Spirit did do that, but Jesus also told him to wait on the Holy Spirit prior. Mm -hmm. So, almost like Peter's justifying, well, the Holy Spirit already said this. Right. So, it comes to my conclusion that I made up in my own mind, that because of what Holy Spirit has already done, we can go ahead and do this now, Mm -hmm. because that's what Scripture said. But that wasn't the command of Jesus. So, you got this like stuck-in-between moment where Peter is, is using Scripture, and he's not wrong, but he's also not listening to the command that Jesus just gave them. Yep. So there's there's both. And I think it's kind of that sticky situation where we can say maybe Matthias isn't the 12th apostle. No, I, I don't think he is. Because if you look at the statement at verse 26, they pray, right? Well, verse 24, and they prayed and said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. So Lord, show us. We're praying. But so why verse 26? And they drew lots. I mean, they didn't really think, well, maybe Jesus could appear in his resurrected form to someone like Paul. They were thinking of the past, right? Jesus was wanting to do something new. So I'm sure Matthias had a wonderful ministry, but there's also something intriguing here that he's never, I don't, at least I don't think he's mentioned again. It's interesting that they go straight from prayer to action, but the Lord never opened up a door. The Lord never showed that. And I think, if anything, it's really ironic here that we go from sending disciples out into the whole world, Jesus's ascension, and then, oh, here's an example of the disciples trying to do it for themselves. Um, and there's just a maturity to be had. But number two, the Holy Spirit hasn't come. That's why when we get to chapter two, there's going to be a heavy emphasis. Look, the power and the person of the Holy Spirit is going to indwell these believers, the, the New Testament church will be formulated first. It's like you got to get the church established first before you get your other ministries established. Um, and I think they're trying to establish the ministry before the church is established by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know. The text doesn't outright say this is sin, and I don't want to go that far. But if, if at the very least you see some immaturity um, in Maybe some zeal that's leading the church here before Pentecost. 
Yeah, it's an interesting time because like it's it's a very small amount of time, right? Between Jesus ascending into heaven and then the Holy Spirit coming upon them. It's right. a very tiny part in history, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really important, but they're stuck in this in between, like yep. waiting on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But Jesus was already here. He's mm-hmm. already died for our sins. You know, it's not like they went to Jerusalem and started doing animal sacrifices. Right. Right. No, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. They were just pointing to the fact that, hey, they're we don't have Judas anymore because Judas betrayed Jesus as it was prophesied about him. And we need to fill that spot. Mm-hmm. And so they cast lots, which was a, an old way of doing things. They weren't doing it the new way. The Holy Spirit hadn't come. They weren't looking towards that and thinking Jesus could do do that and appoint somebody for them, but went back to what they would do in the past. So yeah, it is, it's an awkward spot. I feel like it's one of those in-betweeners. It is. <laughs> that... You know, there's just a little bit, there's a little bit in incompleteness here. There's an incompletion here that they, uh, they're not getting it quite right. And I think this is a sign that maybe uh, Peter and the rest of the apostles um, to be by the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe they are, they're ready. That's a good sign. Like they're ready for the ministry, but they don't necessarily have everything all the tools yet one being the person of the holy spirit who's going to indwell them i also think there's a few things that we can take away in application just as we we look at how peter speaks of the holy spirit in his speech though like yeah we can harp on the fact that they got it wrong but what are some things that peter says verse 16 the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Well, as Christians, we believe in the doctrine of the insp- uh, the inspiration of the scriptures. Who is it that inspired the scriptures? Well, it was the Holy Spirit. That's evidence there in verse 16, uh, just by indirect nature of what, what Peter is speaking about. I think there's something else here. Um, I think Peter has an understanding of who should be qualified as an apostle. Yeah. So if you look at verse 22, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these, like these eyewitnesses, must become a witness with us of his resurrection. I don't know if Paul was a witness of John's baptism, and I don't think that matters, but I think Peter realizes in order for someone to become considered an apostle, he's got to be an eyewitness personally of the resurrection of Jesus. And doctrinally, he gets that right. So in in spite of what he's saying about the Holy Spirit and the scriptures and the resurrection and apostleship, yeah, he's jumping the gun a little bit, but we still glean a lot of good truths because Peter's heart's in the right place. And we're speaking from a different perspective. We are. The Holy Spirit dwells in those who believe. That's right. In this exact moment, Peter, that's not happening, right? Yep. The Holy Spirit hasn't come down and dwelt among them, in them. In them. And yeah, Jesus, Jesus said, yeah. you know him already because he has, he resides among you or has been with you from the beginning, right? Um, but the Holy Spirit hasn't lived in them yet. Yeah. So they wouldn't even, from our perspective, we're like, duh, why wouldn't you just wait for the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. But from their perspective. Never been through that never before. Done, never don't yep. know about that. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is. We, it's easy for us to go, Peter, what were you doing? Mm-hmm. But he was using scripture and he was trying to establish leadership and yeah. get re- getting ready and prepared for sending people out. So it wasn't a, I don't think he was doing anything bad. Yeah. But, well, uh, but his, but maybe he was just, 
his his motivation I think was right, but maybe his execution was a little off, uh, and then just not waiting as Jesus told him to. So, yeah, yeah you, you had a little bit of that, but it's a very Peter thing. You, you're going to see it more, yeah. <laughs> um, not just in this moment. But this is what makes the Bible so much more real. You you're not reading stories of these perfect people. You're seeing the clunkiness of human life, even within the early days of believers prior to the church's establishment. Same thing. And and another principle that I can take away here is it's really important that, you know, as leaders in the church, we are preparing and thinking forward about what's going to happen. But it is a possibility that we can get ahead of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to confirm things and his timing before we push the issue. And you and I face that every day as pastors. Like there has to be the prayerful reality of the fact that the Holy Spirit's been leading this. So it can't be all zeal. There also needs to be a sense of prudence and a, a sense of proper waiting for things to be done well and executed well. And uh, sometimes, even as pastors, we we miss on that. But I think Peter's heart's in the right place, and and he's about to be shown that prayer, right, for what his heart's desiring. That prayer is getting ready to be answered in, in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, I also was just kind of thinking of um, even pastors um, who have come before us. Uh, in their ministries, or or you could think of probably some famous ones, even ones that may be alive today or or haven't been around or, or haven't been gone for too long. We we kind of look at them and go, wow, those are great men who have pastored well. But a lot of them are famous for maybe a sermon you listen to uh, or the uh, the amount of books that you've read. But I think it's so important to read read their stuff because a lot of them will give you insights into their pastoral ministry. Oh, you and, were reading one today. Yeah, and the mistakes that were made. You know, I was reading Soul Winner by Spurgeon today, and he kind of gives you all of his, like, man, when I was young, this didn't work. <laughs> this didn't work. Um, and kind of gave you all the stuff that they tried. Like, these guys weren't perfect. They had to trust in the Lord, and, and there was a lot of errors that took place, and a lot of things where they were trying to rush and 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 weren't waiting on the Lord sometimes. There were times where they didn't go fast when the Lord wanted them to go fast. Mm-hmm. So it was like you could see that these men went through the same things, and we're going to see the apostles go through all of those things mm-hmm. as they learn. And they're the ones, church hasn't even happened yet. They're establishing it. Imagine being there at the beginning. There's not much to go off of other than we need to preach and proclaim the gospel because that's what we're told to do. And we're supposed to train people up and send them back out. That's what the Great Commission tells us. Mm -hmm. So how do we go about doing that? And that's where they're going to go do. And so there's going to be mistakes. They're real people. They're sinners. They have to repent. They have to believe in Jesus. They're humans. But we're going to see God's work no matter how many mistakes they make. We're going to see God's hand on the church and where it takes uh, all the way to today. I do think in one last parting word, not that you don't need leadership of people. And this is just a fact in our own church. Any healthy church is always working on multiplying leadership, healthy leadership. Um, But the number one person that they needed was not another apostle, although they're going to get one in Paul the number one person they needed was the Holy Spirit himself. Right. The Holy Spirit's not a force or a thing or an it. The Holy Spirit's a person, third person of the Trinity. What the church needs most for the empowerment of the vision is 
the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So they need him before they need someone like a Paul. And Paul is still going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So these are the principles for today. That's Acts 1, 15 through 26. Next week, we're going to pick it up. I believe we have here Acts chapter 2, at least verses 1 through 13. It's probably where we're going to reside. Thank you so much for listening to the Be Disciples podcast. Make sure that you share this podcast with your friends, family, people who don't know Jesus. Uh, We just want to share the gospel. We want to help people learn about having conversations about the Bible one-on-one. Dakota and I just sit here and talk with the Bible open. Yeah, there is zero prep to this episode. (laughs) We walk through scripture. Not that we haven't read Acts chapter 1 before. No, sure. But... We, we just like to talk about it. This is a conversation that the mics weren't on and we were sitting at our desks. Same thing. We'd be saying the same stuff. So we just want to share that with you in our conversation. So share it. Share it to the world. We're just doing this to glorify God and to be obedient to Him and uh, just go and, and keep reading the Bible and keep sharing it with people. So thank you all for listening in and we'll see you next time.